Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about lions get involved in the best of 2018 interviews. Welcome to week 54 of The Kindness Project. <laughs> Are you fighting in a bush? <laughs> no one scares lions. Welcome. You didn't just to week 54 of the Kindness Project. As you see, the plains. Today we'll be talking about who we've been talking to. Across the plains. Of Africa. In a library in Rain. It's the circle of life. Um, yeah, we've been talking to a lot of people. We've been talking to a lot of people. And I, like, I, you know what, my one of my 2019 resolutions is definitely get you involved in a lot. Yeah, because I've only been involved in about three, and we've yeah. done 52 weeks. Yeah, you've not been involved in that many, so we need to schedule it better so mm. you can get involved with some more interviews. Oh yeah. What would you specifically like to interview this year? Do you think somebody... Because my, I, I'd like... I'd like to interview someone quite... I'd like to be... Let me get my words out right. Involved in an interview with someone quite creative. Okay. And using their kindness in a creative way. Yes. Yeah, see, there's, there's actually a guy that I've sent the message to who runs a clothing label and is also a musician... So he might be really good. Aiden Aiden Hatfield. There we go. So Aiden, if you are listening, I'll I'll make sure that we send you a link to the podcast because we did mention you. But if you are listening, um, we'd still like you to come on the podcast. But I am now compiling my list of the next 50 people I want on the Kindness Project. But, listeners, that list is still evolving. So what I'd like you to do is tell me, or tell us, tell me, tell us, tell anybody if you want, the specific... Scream it at someone random on the street. Hopefully, I hope we get the message. Tweet us, do whatever you need to. Who should we be speaking to in 2019 about just being really good people Mm. and doing some good in the world? Yup. Because we'd like to hear from you about who you think would be a really good guest for us to have a chat with um, yeah, that, so that'd be good. Um, the and more now, interesting, the better. No boring kind people, all right? We want interesting kind people. And now, for the interview content. <laughs> that was almost professional. <laughs> Have you been practicing over Christmas? No, I've been listening you to went, a, a professional comedy podcast. You, you went you went from David Attenborough, hello, on the Savannas, <laughs> to, and now, on the Guidance Project. Yeah, so what we've got for you today is an, another special where we share some of our best interviews of 2018. Oh, yep. What, what was your, um, out of the three that you actually did... What was your favourite? The butterfly effect one. It was the first one I ever, I ever yeah, took part in. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, mm. and that was in, international, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. we, uh, we were here. She was in America, I think. I think she was in... I can't remember where uh, Trisha was from, but it was a really good... America! I, I liked... I liked so many I liked. The one I always talk about... You've done so many. The, well, I have, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done probably sort of 40 interviews this year, I reckon. 40, mm-hmm. 45 interviews this year. 
Um, the one that stands out the most is Hands from Be, Be My Eyes. Because that, that is an amazing act mm. and his story is incredible. But I'm sure Russell will include those both interviews, of them. both of those interviews. Please, Russell. Excerpts from both, both of those interviews in the upcoming podcast. So without further ado, shall we listen to some great interviews? Yes. Hi, and uh, yeah, I'm really pleased to be joined by Tasha. Is it Tasha uh, Wall? How do you pronounce your surname? Just like the wall that you would paint on. Awesome. awesome. So, so we've got a weird surname because our surname's Dames, but we um, we get letters through the post saying Chris Dreams, Chris Dooms, <laughs> every, everything apart from Chris Dames, to be honest. But we also get called Deems. Deems. Yeah, that's right. So thank, thanks for agreeing to be interviewed, um, and this is the first interview, so, so we've been running the Kindness Project for a little while now, and this is the first interview Charlotte and I have, yes, have done together, yeah. so it's, it, we're, we're really excited about you being, uh, being, being the first one. Um, I'm super honoured, I absolutely love it. Yeah, cool. Um, You're the first interviewee that you, has got to meet me. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, not really. Like you are the one that kind of runs everything behind the scenes there, so I'm super excited. You know, you know what, you're Tasha, you're so right. I'm just the bloke with a voice who turns up and and, yeah, and let, when I'm not here, everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. So um, enough about us, because this is all about you. So can you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Um, so I run an organization called Butterfly Effect. Okay. Runs on the idea that we can all be the change that we want to see in the world. Okay. And I came up with this idea about three years ago. I have five teenage boys. <gasps> How old are they? They so I have a 22-year-old, a 21-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old, and an 18-year-old. Blimey! You thought having me was stressful. <laughs> Did you, yes, did yes. you? My husband and I have been happily married for 25 years. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, we just were busy. So, so it's a, uh, it's very common for me to have a house full of teenagers. Okay. And in fact, right now in our game room downstairs, I've got four seniors in high school uh, ditching their college course that they don't have to go to because the professor didn't show up today. Downstairs eating snacks, waiting for school to start. So, <laughs> so I, I came home. So uh, I, I, I've only got one teenager, uh, and Charlotte Charlotte just said to me, "You thought I like it was a handful having one teenager. I'm, I can't imagine what it's like with five. Um, but I came home one Friday night. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we had how many how many teenagers in my in our lounge? Around ten. We had ten teenagers in our lounge, and we've got a little sort of home office at the back of the house. I just sort of like sort of sidled out and let them get on with it. How do you cope with five teenage children? <laughs> you do exactly what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> you disappear, right? Let them go, and then I actually, we've tried to always have the house they want to come to, and with boys, I've learned if you feed them, they will come. They will come. Yeah, yeah. I have a fully stocked fridge and a fully stocked pantry, and we have an open-door policy. Nobody even rings the doorbell. Everyone just walks in. Yeah, come. Kind of the place to be. So it's quite an open, friendly sort of uh, house, right? 
It is. And I love that you call it a lounge. I'm going to start doing that. We well, call it a living room, but I like lounge better. Um, so, so we, so la lounge is good. Uh, I'm from the east end of London originally, and the, I used to call it the front room. Have yeah. you heard of that phrase? Yeah, the front room. The front room. The, like where you would greet your guests when they come in, and you're not allowed to do anything but sit quietly, drink tea, perhaps like this. Yeah, not not not. It yeah, not not Arrogant. in our, not not in our house. I mean, there's nothing quiet about our house at all, Sasha. No but tea, just hot chocolate and coffee. Too much Downton Abbey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The real, the real, the real England. Certainly in our house, is not sitting quietly and drinking tea. Um, it's four screens at once. So I let me explain. So I, I had this room full of teenagers that we're talking about. Yeah. And in my family, when I was brought up, we were brought up with the concept of tithe which is giving 10% of what you earn to charity needs it more than you yeah and I was trying to I was talking about tithe and a couple of the kids were like what I've never even heard that word before okay. and I said no you haven't heard of tithe um let me think of how I can explain this to you so I said if if, if I gave one of you 10 cookies yeah give one of those cookies to someone that didn't have one and they said, oh, well, yeah, I'd for sure do that. I'd share that. I said, well, what if it was money? If I gave one of you $10, would you give $1 to someone that didn't have it? Yeah. They didn't kind of think about that one. They're like, yeah, I would give a dollar. And then I said, okay, but a dollar isn't really going to do anybody any good. So hypothetically, what if I gave each of you $100, but you had to give it away to somebody else? You yep. needed to figure out where you wanted to give that money away. Yep. And they were kind of intrigued with that concept, and they said, "Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, how would I figure out where I would give that money? I've never given money away before." And I said, "Let me ask you two questions. What lights you up? So, what is so exciting to you that you have to do it? And then, what breaks your heart? What is so messed up in the world that you need to fix it?" Okay. Answer those two questions. You'll know where you would give that money. And then we started talking about the concept of tithe doesn't necessarily have to be 10% of your money, but it could also be 10% of your time. Time, yeah. So it was this concept of giving back. And that's where the butterfly effect essentially was created. That was the idea in that living room with those kids that day. Okay. Because I kind of got excited about this idea. I'm like, huh, I actually think I want to try this. So I'd heard of geocaching where you, um, there's clues all over social media to go find this little hidden uh, box that has cash inside of it, but it's sort of a treasure hunt. Yep. And I, wow. I wonder if I could do a geocache for charity. So I'm going to post clues online for where I've hidden um, this symbol, which is a butterfly. And if you find it, I will donate money to charity in your name. Okay. Yeah. And so I gave it a try, and it took off, and I've done thousands of these ever since then, and it eventually turned into street art, and yeah, there we go. So, so right, the concept, okay, so the concept is you do a piece of street art in a butterfly, um, and whoever finds that butterfly then chooses who the money goes to? That's correct. So if it's a butterfly drop, which is a small butterfly, it's about 12 inches by 6 inches. Okay. It's a painted wooden butterfly. So if I was in like Shoreditch or somewhere in London where there's street art, I would... Thanks for the local reference, by the way. I, 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 lo I love you somewhere in East London in particular. That's good. I've got butterflies. 
love shortage. Yeah, it's very funky, isn't it? So much amazing street art. I'll pop a butterfly up. It's hidden. And then I'll post clues on social media and I'll say, if you find this butterfly, go get it. Take a picture of yourself holding it. And then I will donate. I mean, in the U.S., it's $250. I would probably do 200 pounds yep. to the charity of your choice. It gets people up off their couch, out on a fun kind of treasure mm. hunt to try and find this. And then they end up getting to do good because of it. That's one version. Love it. The other version are the street art butterflies. So they're these murals that I put up and they're about... I don't know, 12 feet long by 8 feet high. Okay. And you stand inside the wings. You're the body of the butterfly. Yeah. And those are social media. So you take a picture inside the butterfly, post it on social media, and hashtag your charity, and then I will donate smaller amounts to that charity for every person that takes a picture inside the butterfly. Love it. So, so you've... I love that story, and, and, and that's great. How many of these butterflies are across the, uh, across the world at the minute? So the big street art butterflies, yeah. we have about 200 of them. We've only okay. been doing this for about three years. Okay. Um, about a year ago, I realized I didn't actually have to physically be there to put up a butterfly if I could create a good enough video on how to put up one of these. Somebody could do it for you, you right? Yeah. And it has been brilliant. I, it, For one thing, I don't have to be physically there, and so more of them can be put up. Yeah. I have about 10 stencils. They're the exact same stencil. And I have a video. So people apply to put up a butterfly. They put the butterfly up, and then they're allowed to paint it however they Awesome. Want. I was going to say that. So they get to add their own creative flair, right? They get yeah. to and put yes. their... Love it. So it's so beautiful because I have all these butterflies. It's the same template. So picture a coloring page. Yeah. It's the same template. It's the same shape. Yeah. It says one wing beta change you want to see in the world. And then the bottom it says butterfly effect. Yeah. But outside of that, you can paint it however you want. And I, some of the butterflies are so stunningly gorgeous. It's things I would have never thought of. I, I absolutely so. love it. What's your... So so let, let, me ask you, let me ask you another question, okay? Okay. And, and this is, I'm going off script now because I know I send all our interviewees questions in advance, but as you raise two really pertinent questions, I want to ask them back to you. So what's the thing that you love, that you're passionate about, and what's the thing you see, what's the, what, what, what answer would you give to the questions you gave to those two kids, uh, those, those kids? Okay. Um, what lights me up yep. is generosity and inspiring generosity. Okay. Since I was a little girl, <coughs> um, my parents tell me that's something that I, we traveled a lot um, internationally. Okay. And I wanted to give. I wanted to share. Yeah. I wanted to inspire other people. I see the best in people when I work with them and speak with them. And yeah, I, I get that. so excited when I hear what makes them excited. Like, yep. that's what I want to know is I want to ask them those two questions and then I want to help them build that into <laughs> a big dream that's actually going to make a difference. Awesome. Um, and what breaks my heart is <clears throat> people don't have somebody standing next to them to encourage them into who they could be. Gotcha, gotcha. So today I'm joined by Luke Humphrey from the Money Charity. And uh, Luke, if you don't mind, we'll spend some time exploring a little bit about the Money Charity, yeah. what it does, so you can help me understand a little bit about how you uh, spread a little bit of kindness in the world, really. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. So, awesome. 
Um, so first of all, I, I know I know I didn't send you this question in advance, but I like to surprise people a bit. Yeah, come on. Before man. we talk about the <laughs> before we talk about the charity, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, so um, I am currently in my first job with with the charity. Um, I recently graduated from the University of Leeds in July. Uh, as I was saying to you before, I'm from Bristol originally, and yeah. yeah. It was always something I wanted to do. I always felt like I wanted to do a job which involved helping people in some way. Um, and I was rubbish at things like science and maths, so I knew I wasn't going to go into, you know, medicine and stuff. So, so re- being a researcher was off the cards. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I did a degree in international development. Um, I was just fascinated in the way that um, other countries. Um, in other parts of the world came came to be how they are in, in their their uh, position in the world and um, when I found the money charity I was just it just seemed so kind of straightforward you know I, I um, had worked part-time uh, when I was at university and had no idea what tax codes were I was building up a student debt that um, I didn't really know much about when I first applied to university and, and I'd never received any financial education. I read about the charity, read about the, the job and just thought it just it just makes so much sense, you know, why why is there not more of an emphasis in schools on teaching kids about money management, about the kind of things to do with taxes and insurance and mortgages that are gonna come up later in their life. It's it's kind of really a necessary life skill. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 so when you up to the point where you uh, went to university, you didn't have a shred of financial education, or not really. Only, only. Um, so I had, you know, um, kind of like citizenship lessons in schools where they talk about um, drugs, uh, sex ed, and possibly talked about money. If they did, I don't remember it, um, and it would have been one lesson out of the whole year. Um, yeah, but yes, I, I just thought you know I when I when I signed up to to uh, to go to uni, I didn't know that for example uh, my student debt would have interest on it. I just wasn't told. Oh, okay. So so it's just it's just things like that you know you don't um, if if someone doesn't tell you and you know unfortunately I wasn't the most um, kind of adventurous kid myself looking at all these things myself because they just look like really uh, uninteresting financial stuff at the time. Um, it, it just kind of passes you by until you have to uh, learn it the hard way when you're older. Gotcha. And I, I think I think you're right. I think when you get uh, thrown into, even though so you might have support for parents or yeah. support the people around you, 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 you there's certainly a sort of step where you take where sort of the knowledge you've got is is not enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to make some of the decisions you need. To yeah. Make, so, so that that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, tell me a little bit about the money charity, the work you do. Yeah. So, like I was saying, uh, the thing that attracted me is just the the straightforwardness of, of the work they do. It just makes so much sense. So, yeah. we're the UK's financial capability charity. Uh, so, you know, the main thing we do is go into schools and then also with adults as well. We go and do workshops with them and uh, just talk to people about money management. You know, we're not there to sell anything or you know yeah. 
flog off a product. It's it's just sit down for an hour, two hours, however long it is, talk to people about their worries about money, how they view money, what their spending patterns are, and just kind of um, help people see things in the right way when they think about money. So they're not constantly worried, constantly you know having that extra thing in their mind so for kids as well you know to to talk to them about things like what what would you expect your income to be what what would your what right now is is your um is your targets to spend money on yeah. and we we've, we've had some great responses in the past of kids coming up with some great ideas about what they want to spend their money on but then they start thinking about oh my my mum and dad have to make this decision every day about what to spend food on what to spend uh, gotcha. on when they want to go on holiday or want to buy something nice for themselves and they have to think about their income, taxes, mortgages, and it, and I think it ma- makes them really think about those decisions in the future and also appreciate the amount of decisions their parents make. So. You know what, I think, I think you're right. I think um, when you, you know, we, I've, I've done a couple of projects and setting on a couple of financial education set, sessions yeah. run by uh, an organisation called Red Star that yeah, work yeah, yeah. in this yeah. area. Really, really good. Um, and some of the uh, some of the kids, particularly the younger kids, sort of <coughs> eight or nine, had some awesome answers about yeah. sort of what they want to spend money on. I think I think one of them was, yeah, I, I think by the time that I'm older, uh, I'll I'll be able to buy a, a rocket. Some so some some kids some kids you know just say the usual oh when I'm older you know I want a house and a car and stuff is very straightforward and then you know like like you said there's some out there ones like talking about rockets and uh, we've had ones before just saying I, I just want to buy loads of dogs they just want they just wanted a house full of dogs so <laughs> we had that as well but then we've we've had some um, so we do kind of budgeting as well to get them to look at how much money they spend now on things. We've had kids say, um, oh, they've worked out the sums in their head and they spend 180 quid, I think it was 182 quid, one of our kids recently said they were spending on chewing gum because they just bought some every day, every day or every week pretty much after school. And they were like, oh, I don't need to spend that. I, I can spend that on something else. I, I can save that up or put it in a, in a savings account or I can spend it on something bigger that makes me happier. And that, that was that was really rewarding to hear that they had worked that out just by kind of looking at how they spend their money every every day and properly think about it. That's um, that's quite a chewing gum habit though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 182 quid a, uh, a yeah. month on chewing gum is is quite not a Wrigley's or a Bubba or whatever. I haven't had chewing gum for for like 20 odd years. I'm no, it's it's like, very much a school thing. I think. It is, isn't it? It is. So tell, tell me a story about how um, uh, your work has had an impact on people's lives. Yeah, so we, we like I said, you know, that, that, that was one um, kind of case of a kid 
finding extra money, but we get plenty of uh, ad- adults, not adult workshops, you know, they're, they're people who come along quite often have, have low incomes and just struggling to get by and need to yeah. need to have some advice, some help and, and a different way to look at things. And we've, we've had uh, one woman recently come back to, to another workshop, she came for a second one, and she said since since she came to the first one, she properly sat down, looked at her budget, talked to her family about it, which she'd never done. You know, talk, talking about money with her family was, you know, a taboo. It was a no-no, basically. Uh, and she said since then, she's actually started saving up money just where she can find it. She doesn't, she, you know, she realizes she doesn't have to go into Costa and buy a coffee. She'll just bring in a flask from home. It saves two, two quid every time she does it. And then... So, so she went on holiday in the end to uh, Swansea, and that was she was saying it was the first time she's been on holiday to visit family there. Oh, she man. had spending money. It just some that that is something that you know when when you're not on much money and you've got a lot of worries to be able to do that and save that money up and go on a holiday is just so it's so nice, you know. Certainly, I love it. Absolutely love it. And how do adults get involved in the uh, the sessions? Do they sign up? Do you advertise it? Absolutely. Yeah. So right now we have kind of two areas. We have a space for vulnerable adults. Um, so today, for example, we are working with another charity who help uh, homeless people and people who sleep rough in London. And so we're going over there to do a uh, workshop on, you know, uh, independent living, how to, um, you know, do what, kind of get get jobs in their situation to be able to kind of break that cycle that they're in. Uh, And so they can, other community groups can contact us and say, we want a workshop for the people that we help, uh, whether that's, you know, uh, homeless people. Um, We've done one recently with young adults with autism. Uh, And then we also have workplace um, workshops as well. So an employer can call up and say, Um, yeah. And we're trying trying to build, you know, if somebody wants to come and um, just do one without being attached to a community group or a uh, workplace and that's something we're developing as well over the next few years I think you're going to look at building that but yeah. it's, uh, so it's all about collaboration right you know it's yeah. you're, you're in a position where you work with other organisations to where you're aligned to support yeah. the goal of helping people understand money a bit better and thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to speak to us on the Kindness Project. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, and I found your app purely by accident, actually, and signed up for it as a volunteer. So as somebody who found it on the uh, Google store, looked at it and thought, you know what, what a great idea. It's great that I get to uh, speak to you about your inspiration behind it and the story behind it. Um, so uh, just let's open really broadly. Just tell us a little bit about you. Uh, Well, uh, yeah, my name is uh, Hans Weiberg. I'm from Denmark, and uh, I'm uh, visually impaired. Uh, I have a tunnel vision. Okay. uh, And uh, I'm uh, 54 years old. Okay. I have two daughters and a wife. um, So, and uh, yeah, uh, then I uh, more or less by accident uh, became an app inventor. Uh, I had never dreamed that I. (laughs) 
<laughs> so he was, a, he was an ex- accidental inventor, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so that's just a little bit about me. Okay, cool. And how old are the girl? How, how old are your children? Uh, they are uh, uh, 20 and 17, so okay. they are a bit older than yours. Okay, and um, uh, boys or girls, what have you got? Uh, two girls. Two girls, okay. So you're, like me, you're completely outnumbered in your house, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and And help me understand about your uh, your visual impairment. So were you were you impaired from birth, or was it a gradual thing that, that sort of... Uh, no, uh, I was born with a, uh, a, a quite normal uh, vision, uh, okay. and I also had a driver license till I was uh, 25, uh, and I was set out to become uh, a farmer and take over my parents' farm. Okay. Uh, and uh, but then, in the age of uh, 25, I discovered that I had this uh, eye disease that where your uh, vision is getting uh, smaller and smaller. Okay. Uh, so when uh, normally. Sighted people have a um, 180 degree vision. Uh, I have now uh, around five degree left. So okay. it's a very small area. Yeah. But uh, I can still read the text on my uh, phone. Yeah. So, and I'm super happy about that. Yeah. And yeah. The little side that I have is uh, helping me a, a great deal, of course. So, okay. So, uh, and where did the where did the idea for be my eyes come up with? You said it. You became an accidental inventor, uh, which. <laughs> Which is a phrase I love, by the way. Uh, it, it's uh, I was uh, at some point I was working as a consultant for the Danish Blind Association. Okay. Uh, visiting uh, blind and, and uh, low vision people uh, in their home and yeah. telling them about uh, new devices and how to cope with things and so on. Okay. Uh, and and uh, doing that job, I, I saw that uh, yeah, there was a need for this, and I also saw that some of the people I visited, they were using their, uh, at that time, uh, uh, iPhones yeah. to, to make uh, Skype calls and yeah. FaceTime calls with yeah. their friends and family when they needed to see something. Yeah, gotcha. uh, And then one of them said, uh, but I always have to call someone. Yeah. Uh, and then that's pretty much where I came up with the idea that, uh, oh, we, we need to make a group of volunteers that, that uh, he can call. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, uh, but I had no clue how to do it because I'm not a technical person myself. Okay. Uh, so uh, I, uh, yeah, went back home and, uh, and then I, when I was listening to the radio, I heard about uh, events uh, at a university here in, in Denmark mm. uh, called uh, Startup Weekend, okay. where you you can come basically from the street and then you get the one minute in English to present an idea. Yep. And then uh, it, it costed like, uh, I don't know, uh, 450 Danish crowns. I don't know, that will be like uh, 50 uh, pounds. Or okay, like okay. Uh, then the, but there was free beer all weekend. So I think <laughs> well, it, it can't be that bad. Do you, know, so, do you know what? That sounds like a, quite a good deal, especially in yeah. London. I mean, 50, 50 pounds for free beer a weekend. Yeah. You couldn't get that in a pub. But, but I, I can tell you that it was uh, really difficult to find time to drink any beer because it was so exciting. and, and, and Yes, yeah. so quite a dynamic event, right? I went there and I got my minute and, and um, 
seven other people were thinking that this idea was uh, good and they joined my team and then uh, the idea is that you kind of develop the idea over the weekend and then on Sunday you present it uh, to some judges and and uh, we won the prize for the most innovative idea awesome uh, so we were all fired up <laughs> about that so the the this is a this is a team of coders right so people say I'm, I'm, Unfortunately, there was no coders okay. <laughs> on the team because that, that's really what you need. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're not able to make a kind of a, a, a prototype. Thing. Yeah. Uh, but but we, we could kind of uh, uh, yeah uh, make a drawing of the idea and, yeah. and tell people what we needed to to, to get uh, to the, the steps we had laid out and so on. And what were, what were the, what was the next steps? Was it funding? Was it getting some money behind uh, you? Was it? We, uh, in, in the beginning, we started out as a uh, non-profit. Yeah. Uh, so we, we started writing, writing applications for uh, foundations uh, here in Denmark. Yeah. And uh, trying all kinds of things to, to raise the, the, the money needed. And uh, went in. It, it took actually it took a whole year to, to raise the money. Okay. And uh, then uh, we had. Uh, uh, $300,000 okay. uh, and that was basically day one in our business because then we could start hiring people who knew what they were talking about <laughs> uh, uh, coding wise and yep. so on yep. uh, and then start making uh, prototypes and, and testing and uh, so on and then we spent uh, almost a year doing that Okay. Uh, and then we were at uh, November 2014 where we could uh, launch the app in the Danish app store. Yeah. Uh, we, we basically, we didn't tell anyone about it because okay. it was just about a matter of uh, scaling up the tests. So so I told uh, all my blind friends to uh, sign up and yep. try to use it and give us some uh, top luck. Uh, and they did. Uh, and yep. we uh, <laughs> had uh, some extra things that we needed to, um, to straighten out. Yep. And then in uh, the 15th of January, 2015, we could launch uh, internationally. Okay. And that was a tremendous uh, experience for all of us yeah. because we were uh, completely uh, blown away by uh, how many people wanted to join. Gotcha. And, uh, and also the interest from the, the press. Yeah. Uh, within uh, the next three, four months, I gave uh, two, three, five uh, interviews a day. Right, okay. <laughs> so it was really amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, in the beginning, it was uh, mainly uh, tech sites, um, uh, the Daily Dot and the uh, Tech Crunch and all kinds of yeah. Uh, yeah, tech sites that you dream about being mentioned in as a young startup. Of course, and yeah. Then, uh, later on, it was uh, yeah, BBC and newspapers and radio stations. Yeah. And uh, and now it is a lot of uh, podcasts and, and so on. So Yeah. No, no so, so, so from the start, you know, would, you have, would you have ever dreamed it's taken off the way it's taken off when you walked into that room and paid your... 50 pounds i mean it, it it sounds like an ideal startup story doesn't it uh, we, we all, all of us had this uh, feeling that this is uh, a, a good idea and we could uh, engage people in it yeah. but we also were thinking that it might be hard actually in the beginning we yeah. built in a gamification element yeah. okay uh, interesting for, for the volunteer 
volunteers yep. because we were thinking it might not be that easy to get volunteers, but then it turned out to be uh, super super easy to, uh, to, yeah. uh, to get volunteers. And and just just out of interest, uh, you you mentioned that you gave it away to you. You did a sort of beta test with your with your friends first. What was the um, what was the most harsh piece of criticism they gave you, and what did you fix? Well, uh, in the beginning, we had all kind of ideas about what the app should be able to do. Okay. Uh, and but but we realized that we needed to make it uh, really uh, simple. Yeah. Uh, also, because uh, iPhones among blind people in 2013 yeah. were uh, not that uh, common. Okay. Uh, and a lot of people were new to to this uh, way of using their phone and so yeah. on. So so we decided to uh, with uh, uh, this the feedback to make it uh, as simple as possible. Okay. Uh, so um, and we ended and we're really proud of that we ended up with only one button yeah yeah so, uh, of course there's one more where you can go into settings but but basically there's only one button yeah uh, so it's intuitive and simple right but it's intuitive and simple that was the yeah, yeah. That, that that was the idea behind it and also because a lot of those people who are blind are uh, not the, the youngest one so okay. and, and wanted to make sure that we could kind of uh, reach out to uh, to everybody yeah sure yeah, you, you didn't you didn't want it to be just for tech savvy individuals. You wanted it to exactly, to yeah. support uh, to support everybody. Um, and what what are, what do most people use Be My Eyes for? Well, the most common use is uh, inside the house, okay. and it is uh, very much uh, in the kitchen. Okay. Uh, um, finding out what is in this can or how many gotcha. this thing needs to be uh, in the microwave yeah. or, or have I set my oven to uh, what I want it to be on and uh, also uh, turning on the washing machine. Most people know the, the usual program that they are using, but sometimes they have some other kind of clothes they want to, uh, if they have a sweater or something, they yeah. want to make absolutely sure <laughs> yeah. it's on the right program and the temperature is what it needs. Yeah, gotcha. And, and uh, we also make a lot of coffee because <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a madness. But but uh, these days you, you need a master degree to, to make a cup of coffee. <laughs> In the good old days, there was one button and it was either on or off. Yeah, now if you want an Americano or a cappuccino. <laughs> but uh, imagine being blind and, and, and meet one of these uh, fancy coughing. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Uh, Gotcha. So, so, so we we do a lot of coffee as well, uh, and also of course um, computer issues. Uh, yeah. If you are blind and you uh, then you will be uh, using a uh, screen reader that will tell you uh, read out what's on the screen. Yeah. But when you're updating your computer, the screen reader stops talking. Yeah. Uh, and then you have no clue what's going on. Gotcha. So you need be my eye to kind of uh, yeah make sure that everything is working out as so, it should. And, and uh, if you need to put in a, a check mark in some yeah. box and something like that. Gotcha. So that was amazing, I hope. Russ, <laughs> make, yeah, it amazing, make it amazing, please. It amazing, we we, we, we want to keep our reputation. Yeah, it'd, it'd be nice. I mean, what what's left of it if um, it isn't in shambles from the shambolic nonsense? Um, but, so that's where we are. They are some of the best interviews we've ever done. Mm-hmm. But we've got a massive back catalogue now of people we'd spoken to yeah. who are all doing great stuff in the world. Now, every now and again, I listen to the Kindness Projects. Oh, I don't. 
I know you don't, because you don't like to sound your own voice. Do no, you? I don't. Um, but every now and again, I listen to the, the Kindness Project because some of the people who come on and we interview are frankly pretty inspiring. And I, every now and again, if I need a bit of inspiration, I jump on. So feel free, listeners, to sort of go through our back catalogue, listen to the ones that you think are going to inspire you, um, and we'll, we'll carry on interviewing good people, talking about what's happening in the world, and just carry on having them chat on the podcast. Really. Or you could just listen for the laughs like I do. Listen for the laughs. I'd listen for the laughs. I was trying to make it more meaningful and inspirational. You can just listen to the shambolic nonsense of a dad and his daughter just having a chat. <laughs> you know, it's entirely up to you. Yeah, we should but start a whole new podcast. Um, <laughs> shambolic nonsense by Chris and Charlotte. Uh, the, 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 the daddy-daughter diaries. No, no, no. no, no, too cheesy, too cheesy. We'll think of it. (laughs) Anyway, until next time, listeners, hope you have a lovely week, and we'll see you next time. Bye!